Information Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 80, Big Hero 6. Don't even compare it to Frozen. Yes. Hi. Tomo. Arigato. Welcome to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers. Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I am your host, the the guy from Karate Kid and every other martial arts epic. Actually, I'm just Mason Smith doing a horribly crafted Asian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Racism starts stops now. Okay. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Animation Addicts Podcast. I'm Mason, and I'm here with my two lovely and awesome and talented co-hosts, Morgan Stradling and Chelsea Robson. <laughs> So and today, oh, thank you. I mean, you're welcome. You are hey, talented. You have to practice your voices because you are doing hundred animated voices, and there's That's still right. a few that you need to add. There's Maybe still you a few that we have to, to throw in a big Hero Six character. I'm just saying, and you're just practicing. But there's no, there's no old animated Asian guy character besides Splinter. This is why you oh, need dude, to Oh, dude, I could knock out like four of them. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Himoto Yoshi. Anyway, um. <laughs> Right, so I can do Stan Lee now also. <laughs> Backwards and front. But anyway, oh gosh, can't already tell by now, this is going to be our super awesome Big Hero 6 episode. Yes, we are breaking the Rotoscopers rules of uh, of not doing recent releases, but hey, we did it with Frozen, We I think we did it with Wreck-It Ralph, and we've done it for a few Pixar releases, and Brave, so... Monsters, yeah. like, I don't know why Monsters this University. <laughs> Clearly, there's a bias towards Pixar and and uh, in Disney because you know How to Train Your Dragon Two is off in the corner like, hey man, how come you didn't do an episode about us? <laughs> hey so, man. What's up with that? Hey what's up with that? And uh, Book of Life's like, uh, what's up? Hey, no hagamos un un podcast sobre nosotros? Um, I'm all about accents tonight. Yeah. Um, so Big Hero Six on the Animation Addicts podcast for those of you who are the uninitiated. Uh, our show is all about animation and how much we love animated films. And so, uh, you know, listen, you're listening to us. You can just picture us on a on a sofa, um, you know, discussing our favorite animated films or not so favorite animated films, and discussing why we love them, and uh, you know, discussing the the truly awesome art form that is animation. And so, this will be a real treat tonight, uh, talking about really? Big Hero Six, and I, which I saw Saturday, so I'm like. Super fresh coming out of the theater watching it. Ah, you're full of opinions. I'm full of opinions. I did not see an advanced screening or a test screening, and so I am, once again, I represent the common people. <laughs> Morgan, not so much. And <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think it's necessary to even do a nerdy couch discussion or like a trivia game or anything. I think we should just jump right into this. I would say fly right into this. Fly right into this. Fly like. <gasps> Super jump! Oh, super, super shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, let me get this straight. A man in a kabuki mask attacked you with an army of miniature flying robots. Microbots? Baymax, tell them. Yes, officer. Ah! Microbots? Yeah. He was controlling them telepathically with a neurocranial transmitter. Come on! I am not fast. Yeah, no kidding! Go, 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 go! So Mr. Kabuki was using ESP to attack you and Balloon Man. 
know it sounds crazy, kid. How about we call your parents and get them down here? What? Write your name and number down on this piece of paper and we can help. Gotta catch that guy. But first, you're gonna need some upgrades. A lunatic in a mask just tried to kill us. How cool is that? I mean, it's scary, obviously, but how cool! What's wrong with you? Low battery. You home, sweetie? We jumped out a window. Who's that? We jumped out a window. Harry, baby. Harry, baby. All right. We're going to try to keep this as organized as possible, even though... Um, it's clear that we are super excited about this film for many reasons. And um, so uh, try to bear with us if we seem like we go off on tangents. But then again, tangents are sort of like our awesome specialty here on the Animation Addicts podcast. They're basically our superpower. Oh, tangent powers. Hey, didn't we already discuss if we were superheroes? <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. I don't, think, I, don't think it, I don't think they were very cool powers. So maybe we should, instead of powers, we should switch to like technology or which Science. of the big six heroes we, we think we would be. I know, man. Well, let's establish that right off the bat. If you were one of the big six heroes, <laughs> um, which would you be? Like, if we're like we're playing pretend, you know, we're like, hey, let's play Big Hero Six, and I'm like, I want to be Fred, <laughs> which I would be. I, I want to be Fred. That's who I would be. I think I'm the most like him. I think and you I would think, be Fred. I think his like not power, but his like feature as a superhero is is probably the best. Yes. Everyone has amazing technology. He's just like, I don't care about technology. I just want someone to turn me into a fire-breathing monster. (laughs) But they say that's not real science. (laughs) Well, it kind of isn't. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm Fred. So uh, which one are you guys? Um, Morgan would definitely be Wasabi. What? Just putting it out there. Oh, yes. Honey Lemon. Ooh, no. a neat freak, huh? I think both of you secretly want to be Honey Lemon and well, you're just volunteering each other to be <laughs> wasabi. She's a super cruel, nerdy girl. <laughs> so I, I'm definitely not true. a go-go, so I don't know who I would be. If that, I mean, That's I could be Hito. Hito! be Baymax. be Baymax because no, you care so much a, about us, Chelsea. I, Chelsea is a Baymax. She cares about others. Very sympathetic and empathetic. And I'm so Ooh. huggable. She is super huggable. I wouldn't know because I've never hugged Chelsea. I've never met you, Mason. I don't think I've ever hugged Morgan. I think I've just hand shook her once. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> You're a missionary. That's the, that's the hug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, awkward awkward discussion on physical contact aside. <laughs> we've Okay, so I'm Fred. We've got, uh, we're here with Honey Lemon and Baymax. So, Chelsea, you have to talk can, like I'll Baymax the for the rest of the episode. Fine. I, I am like Wasabi. I comp- like when he was driving and he was turn- putting his his blinker on. Oh, even if you're being chased by That's a- totally me. Like if the road is curving because it naturally curves and it's going that way, I put my blinker on. I let people know I'm curving. Oh my I'm gosh. curving. I'm turning. I have a little bit of I have a little bit of Wasabi in me too because uh, when when we drive to Austin to Shanna's parents' house, I always there's always a turn that's not really a a, a turn that you have to make with a blinker, but I always turn my blinker on anyway. <laughs> I turn my blinker on when so I'm going angry. into my house. 
<laughs> really? And my husband hates like repetitive noises, so I put my blinker on all the time. It's oh, yeah. Man. Basically, he's not a fan ever. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. He's like, we're in the left turn lane. Everyone's turning left. You don't. But I'm like, it's the law. These are fun discussions that we. Have. <laughs> it's the <laughs> law. He's go go, and I. What did was obvious. what did Gogo say? She said, "There's no, there's no law." <laughs> so she's like, "There's there no, no stoplights. For there's no stoplights in car chases. In car chases. <laughs> yeah. Or no red lights. All right." <laughs> Okay, so how was y'all's theater experience? Because when remember when we talked about our theater experience for Monsters University, and I like was <laughs> was kind of annoyed that there were so many screaming children at. <laughs> yeah! That was some of the best sound engineering ever for an episode. It was pretty good. <laughs> All right. So when I went, I went Saturday night. Yeah, it was mostly high schoolers, young adults, uh, like college age, and there were only a few younglings with their parents. And um, actually, the grown-ups were laughing more than the kids. And actually, there was this one lady up front. Um, there was one lady up front who like couldn't contain herself the whole time. Basically, anytime Baymax was on screen, she would just bust out laughing, and she and she was un uncurable. She was just hysterical throughout the whole movie, and it was kind of annoying because it made everyone else laugh, and it kind of broke. The movie magic for us. Aw, bummer. Yeah, yeah so mine, what about you guys? Mine was, I went to a screening, um, and so it was on a Saturday because for the animated films, they, they do them on Saturday so you can bring your family, bring your kids. So it was a bunch of children. Actually, there was a, a lot of girls rather than, I thought there'd be a lot more boys there, but that was not the case. Um, and it was just a normal screening, nothing too special. <laughs> so my screening was pretty awesome. Oh, tell us more. Well, here in Nashville, I was able to receive a whole stack of tickets for people to go, um, for fans to, of ours to go and see the screening on, it was a Saturday morning as well. And so we had a contest on, on the Facebook and we had a whole bunch of people, you know, basically it was like, what was your favorite podcast? And so we had a whole bunch of people like put out their names and say what it was and they all won tickets. Yay. Hey, all right. See how um, easy it is to win prizes from the rotoscopers? Yeah, you just have to. Just show to us live. some love. Everyone's a winner. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah! You just have to live in a place where one of us actually is. <laughs> right. It's very geographically precise. <laughs> Restrictive. <laughs> but it was so cool because I met a lot of really, like, just some fans that have been fans for, like, some of them have been fans since, like, you know, uh, Frozember, because that's when most of our, that's when a lot of people jumped on the Rotoscopers train, let's just say yeah. that. And we're happy and love that you guys found us that way. Um, but there was a couple people that were like, oh, no, I was before that. And I was like, really? Whoa. Holy cow. Yeah, this girl named Tess. Shout out to Tess. Yeah, she came with her dad, and so they're both just like, yeah, I've I've been listening to this forever. I'm like... That is so awesome. So, yeah, it was really cool, like, especially to be able to see it with other fans of the podcast and just, you know, it was just like, yeah, we're all here, buddies, and having a good time. So I thoroughly enjoyed my screening. Wow. I had no idea how that there were so many Rotoscopers fans, like, in Nashville. Did a lot of them travel or a lot of them from that area or what? Um, Yeah, there were a couple people, like, that were from the Nashville area, surrounding areas. Oh, and Lipscomb University is actually growing their animation department. And so I had gone to another, um, it was the Top by the Pro conference weekend where they had 
a bunch of the animators like uh, Claire Keen was there as well as that's um, her right yeah so it was fun and so I got to meet a lot of people there and that's where a lot of people got tickets too well groovy Ooh, I want to say something. So this wasn't necessarily my experience with my screening, but I did have the opportunity to go to the premiere of Big Hero 6. That's right. Which uh, we went to Frozen last year. And um, it's really fun to go to these because you get to see the behind the scenes and you get across the velvet rope metaphorically. And so this one was completely different than the Frozen run. The Frozen had a white carpet instead of a red carpet, but we had a red carpet here because uh, obviously red is a big color in Big Hero 6. It's basically the main color in the logo and it's Baymax's color. And so, yeah, it, we got there and um, I was able to have a friend help me out and to, to do the camera. Uh, he just actually lived a few blocks away. Well, he's a friend now. We, we never actually had met. Um, uh, I needed last minute, uh, I needed a camera guy, other one fell through. And so, um, I just reached out, um, there's something called Patreon and it's kind of a way that you can support podcasts and content creators and, and YouTubers or whatnot, where you can pledge a monthly subscription, whatever you choose, whether it's $1, $5, $10, $25. And, um, there's different perks for doing that. And we are going to be doing a Patreon in the near future, which haven't uh, finalized everything. Ooh. But I'm a patron of uh, um, actually a podcast called Rob Has a Podcast. Uh, it's probably the number one podcast that I listen to. 90% of my podcasting time is spent listening to this show. So I'm a patron because if that show went away, I'd be really sad. So I pledge a certain amount of money every month and are part of a Facebook group with only the patrons. And so as I asked everybody I knew in L.A. to see if they could help me and no one could, you know, they had work. It was literally the day before and it was uh, stressful. So I reached out to the patrons because I knew there's about four or 500 in the patron group. Um, and so I said, Hey, I, this is a really like throw in, you know, a long shot here, but if anyone is in LA, I need help. Just someone to help me, you know, just basically hold the camera while I go and do some interviews and, and cover the red carpet. And hey, the perks are you get to go behind the scenes at a big movie premiere, blah, blah, blah. And one guy, uh, people were like, oh man, man, I wish I could, blah, 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 I wish I get work off so no one could do it. And finally I was like, okay, I guess I'll just use the old tripod and make it work. Then one guy's like, hey, I live a few blocks away. And, um, yeah, so he, I met him. His name was Paul. He's actually a composer in you know for a tv show uh, he's currently working on scandal and he's just a, a fellow Whoa, patron my and, wife loves that show well he he does he's one of the two composers so small world so anyways paul shout out if you're listening to this you are amazing and thank you so so much so anyways back to the premiere that's my little patron story but so we got there early and you have about an hour to get set up and we did some videos, which I have released on the YouTube. I've done all my interviews, but I'm in the process of kind of creating a, um, you know, here's behind the scenes at the premiere, but I don't actually have that much footage. Some of it's blurry. So I'm kind of trying to figure out what's working. So you should see it soon at some time, but definitely the interviews are there. So we got there, we shot some videos, I took some pictures, which they're on our Instagram. You should definitely go check those out. And then, you know, people start arriving and you cover the red carpet. And so with the red carpet, a lot of people don't know that you, you don't 
like everyone who's on the list to attend, you don't interview everybody. The big stars have very select outlets like people.com, entertainment weekly, you know, the big ones and they, their handlers take them to those and you, you usually don't get those. But, um, last year we spoke with the director and producer of get a horse. So I was kind of expecting to talk to them again. And this time there at the very beginning, a bunch of Disney stars from, you know, Jake and the Neverland pirates arrived early. And so someone was walking around with a sign with their names and basically saying, is anyone interested? And a lot of people were like, no, no. But uh, I decided I wanted to take any chance, anyone that would talk to us. I wanted to talk to. Yeah. Uh, plus it allowed me to kind of warm up for the, the main event. <laughs> and so I interviewed, um, Caitlin, who is, um, on Doc McStuffin. She's Alma. And then, um, another guy who is Finn in the Lego movie. And he's also in Jake and the Netherland Pirates. So I interviewed them. They're super cute. Then I also interviewed one of the screenwriters, Robert Baird, who was the screenwriter for Big Hero 6. And then I got to interview the producer and director of Feast. And that was probably my favorite interview of the whole night. It was a really, um, I'll, I'll include really those links one. in the show notes to that playlist so you can just watch them. But really, really cool. So I was really excited that I got to interview them. And I'd seen the, the short beforehand. So that was great. And then, you know, at the very end, it started wrapping up. It was running late. So they, you know, it's over basically when they do the big cast photo at the end. And those were the last people we had talked to. But then TJ Miller was actually staying after and doing interviews with everybody, like just one or two questions sort of thing. And that's what Kristen Bell did huh. last year. She stayed after the premiere had officially, you know, started and they'd all gone inside. And so we have a little mini interview with um, TJ Miller, and we kind of shared the screen with Disney Examiner. They're another Disney site. Uh, really, really cool guys there. So, yeah, that was my experience. It was so fun. Um, hopefully, we're going to be able to do lots more of these in the future, especially if um, a certain Rotoscopers member might be in L.A. for the next summer. Who knows? Um, hey, we'll, hey, we'll see. We shall see. Um, so yeah, get ready for more of those because they're they're really fun. So, anyways, that's my experience in the Big Hero Six premiere. Uh, I got to see Monsieur Lassiter uh, the day before the Big Toy Story Four announcement. So he was had something up his sleeve. I mean, he just wanted to outdo Big Hero Six. He's like, <laughs> Big Hero Six premiere the next day, Toy Story Four. So <laughs> we will talk about Toy Story yeah, Four at least he was on another polite, you episode. Know? <laughs> So, yeah, that's my experience. So I am excited to get into the movie. Holy cow. I'm sorry if I hit any low, low notes too early, but what were your general impressions of the film, guys? Oh, I loved it. In brief. No, I... Chelsea loved it. Yeah, you can see from my YouTube review, like, there was very little, if anything, that I would be able to improve upon. I felt like everything was just really, really well done. I gave it five stars, and I'm sticking by that. Hmm. Wow. Wow. See, I, I really liked it. I felt that... Um, there were certain parts that didn't really work for me, and there were obvious some plot holes. 
Um, but I liked it. I left really happy. I was laughing. It was just really good, really, really good movie. And, um, I, I think I originally gave it four and a half stars. I'm sort of teetering right now between four and four and a half. So by the end of this, maybe I'll have my final call, but I thought the, the ensemble cast as a whole was great. I really liked the way they played off each other. Um, I, I was kind of disappointed that there were certain characters that I wanted more of. Like I wanted more Tadashi. I wanted more time with him. Oh yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second, but then I also kind of wanted a little teeny bit more development of the other characters. I was really interested in them and they were just ancillary. It was really the hero Baymax movie. So, um, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm interested for a, Hold on, my dog is freaking out. I'm interested in a sequel because I would like to see those characters fleshed out a little more, or maybe a TV show. All right, all right. Well, cool. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it too. I I thought it looked beautiful, and the the technology and the um, you know, I guess the animation techniques that they pulled off were were just gorgeous. Um, and then uh, I, I had a few problems with the story, but overall, it was an enjoyable film. I I thought it was really good. Well, Morgan just talked a bunch about the premiere, so I feel like I get to talk a bunch now. <laughs> okay, that came out wrong. Okay, so I mentioned <laughs> girls talk too much, Peter Pan. Anyway, um, I don't really think that. Anyway, well, I just mentioned that I really loved like the visuals of the film and the animation. So let's go into that a little bit more because I think as an animation student, I knew a little bit about this, but I feel like general audiences might not, and therefore they might not appreciate it. So here we go. So one of the things that really blew me away when I first saw it was San Francisco, the city. I think it was it's like literally an animation marvel because I don't think Disney's done anything like that before. What did y'all think about San Francisco? So I loved Fran- San Francisco. One thing I that was interesting is that it was very realistic and that was something that was able to be done because of the new renderer that they used in this movie, which was for the first time ever, the Hyperion yeah. renderer, but which I believe you are going to go into and talk about a little more. But one thing like this, it felt so real and deep and that I didn't really even notice the background so much. Is that weird? Like, I think they were just so good. I didn't focus on them. Um, except yeah. for like the big ones when obviously you're going over the bridge, like bit, you know, or you're flying over the island. Other than that, like within the city, I didn't really, I don't, well, I did, but I didn't, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not very helpful. Well, well no, I, I think you brought up a good point that it, that the city of San Francisco, like, like the environment, it blended well with everything else. It didn't like stand out as something like wacky or crazy, like on meet the Robinsons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, like city off in the distance. That's just like, whoa, it's just way far out there. But then again, that's meet the Robinsons. <laughs> yeah. San Francisco was like, it was like a living, breathing city that like, that was its own world, you know? Did you guys, okay, here's one thing that I really liked. At the very beginning, when it like kind of like sweeps in from the ocean up into the city, if you're looking at the city in yeah. like certain lights, the skyscrapers are shaped somewhat like a castle. Like if you just kind of take an outline of it, it kind of looks like it's yeah. supposed to be the Disney castle. And I really appreciated things like that, where it's like, oh yeah, let's just kind of make this all that look is something exa- really cool. Yeah, that is exactly the vibe that I got. I felt like the opening shot when you kind of fly into San Francisco, it was like a mirrored shot of that um, the Disney intro um, sequence where you like fly past the castle across a bridge and there's mm-hmm. like a pirate ship and there's like fireworks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I felt like it was a probably a homage to that. And then uh, I'm pretty sure that San Francisco was 
its appearance was modeled after the actual San Francisco, but they they exaggerated a few things and obviously added you know giant blimps and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously the name. So, what was your favorite part about the landscape? Well, like I said, I felt like it integrated well with everything to where it didn't like stand out. It just felt like a part of the universe that mm-hmm. was created in the film. Also, I liked that it was um, it wasn't this like pastoral like idyllic you know shining Disney city. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not like all those animated films. It's like, oh, it's New York. It's like this idyllic city where dreams come true and it's all shining and gleaming. You know, San Francisco had like some some grit to it, you know, mm-hmm. and it had all those cool signs, you know, very heavy on like the J-pop like culture. It's got, you got the giant, you know, giant like displays and neon signs that you would imagine being in Tokyo or Hong Kong or someplace like that. So I'm going to get into a little bit of technical mumbo jumbo. You guys OK with hearing technical mumbo jumbo? I guess. All right. It's like a seventy-five percent approval rating. Hey, why the thunder tube? I don't know. Never know when is the thunder like tube our, is. Is that like a rim shot? <laughs> it's like a rim shot. <laughs> All right, Technico mumbo jumbo with uh, with Mason. So, San Francisco is made up of eighty-three thousand procedurally generated buildings. So that means that it's not like the animators went in and modeled everything by hand they they made a computer algorithm or a, or a function in the computer that basically built it for them and then when they got what they wanted they were like okay so be it this is san francisco <laughs> and then like you know texturing and lighting and stuff is a lot more complicated but there's over uh 216,000 street lights and over 100,000 vehicles not to mention thousands of crowd extras and like morgan hinted at earlier this is all made possible with the hyperion engine and that's the technical star of the show Okay, so remember when we talked about Monsters University, how amazing, like, the lighting was? How realistic yes. it looked? Yes. That was called global illumination. And, like, in super layman's terms, it basically means that the computer is simulating a ton of light rays that are bouncing and refracting and reflecting off of surfaces and stuff. It's Global illumination is, like, the term for really realistic lighting. It takes up way too much computer memory. Not until uh, the masterminds at Pixar made Monsters University, and and now it's used for entire animated feature films. Um, there was a, I think it was called Torch, is a program that DreamWorks uses, and now the Hyperion image engine. But basically, Hyperion it found it, it's a really efficient way of calculating light rays. It's like as if you if you defragmented your hard drive and you got rid of all those like unnecessary gaps before you worked on your computer. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it it's kind of like that what they did. AKA what Disney did was it uh, found a really smart way to build on existing render technology without reinventing the wheel. And I just I just now finished like the last page of Creativity Incorporated, and that sounds like a, a cat mole phrase, you know, or something to something that he would strive for or something something like that he mentioned in the book. So it made me think of that. Love that book. So the result is a is the Hyperion engine. It's a fifty five thousand core render farm. So like my laptop has like four cores in it. So their render farm has like fifty five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in a render farm. If you don't know, it's a supercomputer that does the calculations to actually like render out, like actually draw out every frame. But, you know, with all the animation and all the lighting and all the crazy surfacing that you've got going on. And uh, Hyperion is actually a cloud spread across four physical render farm sites. And it's got, it, it uses 400 terabytes of memory. It's a buttload. Holy cow. Oh my gosh. And here's the crazy part. It uses about 1.5 megawatts of power, which is kind of a funny thing because 
Uh, 1.5 megawatts of power is the output of one of those mechanical windmill things that you see, you know. Uh-huh. The Hyperion engine, you know, with that amount of power, it can it can pretty much power about 332 households simultaneously for an entire year. But it's also surprisingly economic because it's like, you know, just one of those windmills isn't it's that wind. big of a deal. But at the same time, it is really powerful. Yeah. So I can't tell if it's like super powerful or powerful, but also economic. I don't know. I'm not like an expert on those things. But um, this I can understand. It, it outputs over a million render hours a day. And uh, the um, chief technical officer at Disney stated that the Hyperion um, the Hyperion engine can render the movie Tangled from scratch once every 10 days. Oh, <laughs> and it did not take 10 days to render out Tangled when they first made it. No. <laughs> I can oh, tell you, I can I tell you that. Technology. And it, it, so Hyperion is also responsible for... Uh, oh, <laughs> I still love technology. Yeah. So Hyperion engine uh, also allowed the rendering of all those freaking microbots that we see in the film. Like, just uh, amazing capabilities. So the bottom line is the the film really looks beautiful thanks to Hyperion. And um, that's kind of why I explained all this, because unfortunately I don't think general audiences will will, will um, catch on to that. I think they'll probably overlook the film's technical achievements. So I really think they're worth mentioning. Well, thank you very much. I feel so much more initiated at this point. And with that, Mason, we, oh. are, we are done with you. <laughs> go back into your corner. Okay, I'll go home. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so we are really only a few days into the lifespan of Big Hero 6, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the box office because it had quite an impressive box office run for its opening weekend. It actually was number one in Yay! the box office. Yeah. Big hooray. It, it actually beat out Interstellar, which is a Christopher Nolan film, and, uh, you know, they were... Kind of both expected to do well, but I think uh, Interstellar was expected to do slightly better. And so the fact that it beat it out is like, booyah! So Big Hero 6 made $56.2 million, and Interstellar only made $47.5. Uh, Gone Girl, which is still hanging around, made $6 million. So huge differential and gap between the 1 and 2 and 3. So this was basically the only two movies that people were seeing this weekend. And a lot of people I know saw Big Hero 6. My mom saw it, and she was like, it was so good. And, yeah, just I'm really, really excited. I think um, it opened kind of between... Uh, Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen. Frozen, I think, made around 70-ish, and Wreck-It Ralph was in the 40s. And it's probably ex- it's expected to do between those. Obviously, no one's expecting this to be the next Frozen, um, but it's expected to do better than Wreck-It Ralph. So the, the minimum, it's going to make $200 million. I'm predicting probably... I, I would love to see it make $300 million or more, uh, just uh, U.S. or um, not U.S. Yeah, yeah, domestic and international, obviously. It's just going to be... Uh, I don't through know. Through the roof. Through the roof, basically. Yeah, I'd love to see it be seven or plus, seven higher. Ooh. So seven, not seven, just seven, uh, 700 million. <laughs> I eight. Eight? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So let's go into the film. We've kind of been just like dancing around it and talking about little bits and pieces, but let's get into the meat of Big Hero 6. Ooh, I love the meat. Um, I thought the film had a really good exposition, you know, where you kind of open everything up it was very extended i did not expect i did not expect it to be you know the time from okay spoiler alert i guess the time from the opening shot to when um to when hero loses his brother um it was quite some time 
Yeah. And because it had, I guess it had a lot to introduce because, you know, new universe, new world and everything. But I also liked it because it, I don't know, I just liked the fact that it really took its time with the exposition. See, I kind of disagree. I felt that this first act was super fast. Really? Um, I thought that we just went from like, oh, battle bots. Okay. Now we're at the school. Okay. Now we're at, we're speed lapsing and we're creating my science project. Okay. Now we're here. Now we're competing. Oh, now he's dead. Like, he also I, went to jail. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. From my perspective, I, I felt that maybe it was because the, you know, we knew from the trailers that Tadashi was going to die and it was going to be very early on. So I was kind of just like not necessarily looking forward to that moment, but expecting it. And mm-hmm. I just felt like everything was super rushed. At the beginning, hmm. but most other people seem to disagree with me on that. It's like yeah, Mason. Yeah, I, for I me, felt like it was pretty extended. For me, like there's the only okay. I guess there are a couple things that I was like, I wish that was a little bit differently. Um, I kind of felt like the beginning did have a few spots of like the exposition as far as like the dialogue was just kind of very. Uh, expected expected yeah it's like you know how aunt cash she's you know what she would say what would your parents say you know just like you know how they're dead <laughs> you know right you i know, never met like- them yeah i felt that during that interaction between tadashi and hero was they kind of rushed through it, introducing everything no yeah but it, it just was felt like, like trite it just felt kind of like cheesy that had been done before like oh like, you know my parents are dead so i'm gonna say I've never met my parents or whatever he said that was kind of that typical mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was yeah. one of those things that I was like, okay, they they really could have taken those and b- taken more of like a... Um, show you, you, don't tell you. Yeah, show you, don't tell you. Because I felt like the whole thing was a tell you. Um, mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. guess, dang it. Now I can't keep my five-star review now. <laughs> but it's okay. Yes, but, can. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I still give it at five stars. Just be, well... Dang it, I can't with good measure. But it's okay. Well, let's keep talking. Let's yeah, we'll keep, talking, keep talking, and then we'll decide at the end of the episode. Okay. Let's talk about the BattleBots. Oh, BattleBots was awesome. I for, Who was the big fat guy that he was fighting against? Oh, uh, I don't know. He's in the art book. Yama? Yama. Mm-hmm. I am the great Yama. Rah, 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 rah. He's so He's like, gross. oh, I have more money. He's <laughs> like, great, I'm going to hustle this kid. Um, I, um, I thought it was funny. It reminded me of... Um, Oh, please, it reminded me please of... Please say Fresh Prince. Please say Fresh Prince. <laughs> oh, no. Who, who, what, what? Is there a Yama in Fresh Prince? Yeah. No, in, in Fresh Prince, there's an episode where um, Uncle Phil totally <laughs> acts, Uncle Phil. acts like he can't play pool. And he totally yes! hustles these, these dudes yes! and gets all of Will Smith's money back. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <gasps> I remember that. Oh, good times. That was pretty good. <laughs> All right, well, Fresh Prince aside, I really liked BattleBots. I thought, um, I don't know, I liked the little thing with Yama. And I like that they introduce Hero as kind of this this rebel, you know? Mm-hmm. And they do eventually introduce introduce him as, as this kind of like, nah, I don't want to do anything with my life. I just want to build robots, make money. Washed up. You know? And um, they take that a little too far, and, I, and I'll talk about that later. But I don't know. I like I like how that first scene flows. You know, he's about to get beat up by Yama, and then Tadashi shows up at the, in the nick of time. He's like, "Get on, you idiot!" And they have like a mini chase scene. So that's cool. No, I loved the BattleBot scene. I just thought it was really cool. I loved how they just set him up as this little schemer, you know, who's smarter than yeah. he leads on. <laughs> you know, super smart with this BattleBot that just looks like a tinker toy. And then we're introduced to Dashi saving the day, which he's really set up as the hero from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Hero's hero, right? 
Yeah. Aw, Hiro's Hiro. 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 I yeah. love Tadashi. He was so good. Oh, Tadashi's such a great guy. Like, throughout the whole thing, he was just... I, I mentioned this in my YouTube uh, review, but it's just, I felt like he was just a whole person. Like, he wasn't trying to be anybody else. He wasn't trying to impress anybody. He was just, like... it. Was, nothing was about him. And that's something that's so endearing and, like, very difficult to find and even more difficult to be. So yeah. I like people like that. Yeah, I like it. Um, I thought that he was... I don't know. I thought he was the most heartwarming guy. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the, the most real, the most heartwarming guy at the beginning w- that doesn't necessarily have a, a very strong personality. Well, you know, he's going to die in the exposition. Oh, that was a bad part, though. Like, and, um, as I'm watching so made, this and I knew that he was going to die because I'd seen the, like, because, yeah, I'd seen the, the Japanese because for it. Pre- yeah. And I'm just like, oh, the moment I, I started to like him, I just got so sad. It's like mm-hmm. I was just expecting it. I'm like, oh, no. See, with yeah. Tadashi, like as this whole time, you know, you think of a, a basically like this perfect character, this one that someone looks up to, dying. I think of the Lion King, mm-hmm. and in this movie, I I felt that it didn't. And I'm not trying to compare it to the Lion King. I really do like this movie, but we're just talking critically here, right? Um, and I felt like with the Lion King. We grew, even though I love Tadashi, I think he's amazing. I think we grew to love Mufasa more because yeah. Mufasa, there's two, there's like two or three big moments between them. So there's the one with, uh, on Pride Rock kind of showing him the lay of the land and then he saves him from the hyenas and then he gives them the talking to and then they, you know, kiss and make up and they're playing and, and he's just a great dad. And I think this may have just been because they spoiled that he was going to die very early. So, um, I knew it was expe- happening, so I couldn't become as attached to him, but I just didn't feel there were too many moments that really, really solidified their bond. Obviously the very beginning when he saves him, um, you know, gets him out of that tight situation, and then he's super supportive of him at the science fair. And yeah. I don't know, there, there are actually quite a few, but oh, I felt like at the end it added a lot more to it, though. The fact that he was like, "Oh, I can't wait till Hero sees this." Like, "Oh man!" Like even in those moments where he's mm-hmm. just like by himself, just like thinking out loud, it's like even that will bring like it endears you to him a little bit more and the relationship you know between Hiro and and Tadashi it's just like okay like these guys had a really good brothership and I think that they could have expanded on that and like could have added showed you not told you a couple told you a couple things um but yeah I don't know well cool yeah yeah and then they get um so obviously they don't have parents because it's a Disney film, and <laughs> Maya and Maya Rudolph is their aunt Cass, and uh, I thought she was cute for like what she was. I think she was just kind of like a, a general silly character, mm-hmm. you know, that everybody needs. And um, and uh, I don't know, it was very Gilmore Girls how she like ran her own like restaurant. Or, was that a was that a motel or? Anything? I've never seen Gilmore Girls, so you've you are, never what? watched Gilmore Girls. No, what? Is that Whoa. Uh, awkward. What kind of woman are you? I, I mean, you've never watched <laughs> Gilmore Girls? No. Seventh Heaven? Seventh Heaven, yes. Okay, yeah. well, there's one ABC family show that you can <laughs> talk to your listen that fills that. I guess, I think Girl, Gilmore Girls on Netflix now, and so I guess it is. It is. You can, I can uh, check can it out. I was, I was really film. obsessed with it. <laughs> I'm not, but I've, I've overheard slash was forced to watch several thousand episodes <laughs> of it. 
<laughs> All right. So anyway, um, so yeah, Aunt Cass, she was just kind of, uh, I, I like, I think her best scene was when she was like sitting down with, with the cat watching the, the suspenseful <laughs> film. She's like totally engrossed in it. Okay. So the whole exposition where we're introduced to a lot of stuff, there's, um, okay, there's the guy from Cray Tech, um, Alistair oh, Cray. Yeah. Alistair Cray. Callahan. Professor Callahan. So. All right, we'll talk about the villain later, but um, I don't know. Disney fooled me and made me think it was Cray at the beginning. Uh-huh. After all, you tried to steal his microbot. Yes. You yes. Know? See, I was expecting something like that. Especially and, after the, you know, bait and switch with Fran- Hans. Yeah. I know. Franz. I, like, Franz. Franz. <laughs> I like to pump you up, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I was I actually expected him. I was like, no, the fact that this is the guy from Babe James Cromwell. Yeah. The fact that this is the guy from, you know, that'll do pig for whatever reason that just makes me feel like yes. And also- and Alan Tudyk is the Alistair Cray, and so I'm like, he's gonna play that the bait and switch guy. Like the fact that he's been so many villains, he's gonna be the bait and switch guy. That's just what's gonna happen. But this was like a bait and switch switch bait. I don't know. It, it was like, yeah. well, there's a guy that everybody thinks it is, but but it's not. But he's still kind of a bad guy. But the guy that we thought it was, I don't, I don't know. It, to me, it was like less exciting that it was it was Callahan and and not anybody else. I thought it was Tadashi. I was going with everyone's you're internet. Looking for, you're I, looking the, for like a Lex Luthor thing, aren't you? Oh yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> My gosh. Um, but yeah, okay. So we're introduced to all that. So we. It, it wasn't as much of a out of nowhere villain reveal as Hans, you know. Yeah. But they, they still got me at the beginning. Still got me at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, tragic fire. Um, the the microbot scared me. <laughs> and um, at this point, after Tadashi dies and what Hero does for the rest of the film, I guess this is my main point about the story that I really don't like. Let me know if you guys agree with this. Okay, so he goes to the robotics department with Tadashi. And he's like, oh, what is this? This is dumb. And he's like, oh, robots. Nerd school is cool. Oh, everybody's friendly. Whoa. He's like, hey, what is it? You make your own ball bearings? Yeah, make them in-house. So so he enjoys, you know, he's totally into this. And he was basically made for this program. Yeah. And I really liked that film because while I don't think it is 100% the case for everyone, I I, I highly value higher education like Tadashi would have done a lot more good getting his degree and you know and you know I I totally caught the spirit of how robot robotics can help improve the world unless you get into Skynet and you get into my Terminator side Um, (laughs) so there's a balance there and and that's what I thought the movie that part of the movie was about it was like hey look at all these really cool cats who go to college and are getting their degree in robotics you know why throw your life away um making a bunch of cash and then hero's like i'm gonna go you know I mean, he's like mike wazowski you know i'm gonna be the best scare ever <laughs> and um so he does the competition and things go horrible for one i was really impressed that they uh, i thought it was really cool how um you know gogo and wasabi honey lemon not so much fred they had their own projects that they were making and they were mm-hmm. kind of pushing the limits and the boundaries with their own projects so i was like that's cool that's kind of what what uh, your master's degree would probably be like and um and then Hero comes along and he makes these scary, crazy cool microbots that can just do whatever he wants. And he's fourteen. Alright, and he's fourteen. <laughs> and then um after that they, they don't do anything further with the robotics school. 
Like he yeah. never sets foot in the classroom. Yeah. That kind and of went with his depression that he like, because that was the place where Tadashi died, he wanted to distance himself from it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can understand that. When I first saw him walking around that, that robotics department, it reminded me of the three musketeers with, oh gosh, what's the kid's name? D'Artagnan? D'Artagnan? I have no idea. D'Artagnan? D'Artagnan. Yeah. D'Artagnan, the main character and the three musketeers. Because he's like the fourth musketeer. He's like an outcast at first, and then he kind of gains their trust and stuff. So I kind of expected to be that that kind of relationship. And then I really expect, expected a mentor relationship with Callahan, which would have really solidified the the irony and the uh-huh. conflict mm-hmm. with him ending up being the villain. But he never sets foot in, in the university again. And... Um, and, and after that, it's like Heroes is just clearly the superior one of the group. He makes all their technology for them. And the focus shifts to him and Baymax, and everyone else is kind of an afterthought. Yeah. Makes me think that maybe they killed off Tadashi too soon. Yeah, maybe. It would have been cool to see him start school really, you know, maybe even that montage where he was building his project in. Why do you have to do it in his garage? He sh- they sh- it would have been better having him do it at the school. I mean, that he's not a... See, the he wasn't thing, a student yet. He wasn't a student. I mean, yeah. maybe he should have just been accepted into the program and they were all competing for... Yeah, what, instead what if, of competing to be in, maybe they were competing for a big prize. Um, right. And that way we could see Callahan and him building these microbots working together, which makes it even worse because then mm-hmm. you would see Callahan like know oh, his secrets. Then it would just be devastating. I, yeah, I, I agree. That's a good point. So, and, and, and he... They also... Because here we are they, going to the villain when... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, because... Because they did it all in fast motion right there, like you saw the the group of people come in, and so you could see yeah, during this process, he did make friends with them. They were like kind of more thing, but you still, I do wish that I would have seen more of that. Yeah, because yeah. when Baymax later calls like a distress signal, and they all just roll up super mm-hmm. excited, it, you don't <laughs> feel that can you don't feel the bond because the bond was always like with the two of them with Tadashi, and mm-hmm. then Tashi was gone. We never saw. I mean, you can assume they're still friends. They're not going to just drop this kid. Well, yeah, they're nice but, people. Yeah, but they, yeah. but the the way they were acting toward him, like they'd been friends with him forever. You know, yeah. he was a legitimate part of the group, but it just what didn't wasn't quite translated. Yeah, so that was one of the big problems that I have with this film, and that that one problem kind of kind of affects the whole film for me. But now we're talking about the other um, the other characters, so I think oh we have to talk about Baymax. Do we talk about Baymax first or the other four? Let's talk about six the heroes. heroes. Let's talk about the heroes and then okay. Baymax. Okay, so there's the other heroes. We got Gogo Tamago, Honey Lemon, Wasabi, and Fred. In that order, I think is is how we meet them. Mm-hmm. So Gogo, no, Gogo, I actually then Wasabi, to- then Honey Lemon, then Fred. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I expected Gogo to be a little more, in, like a little more of a thing. You know, it's clear that the popularity shifted to Honey Lemon probably after test screenings or something like that. Uh huh. What do you mean that they? I don't know. I felt out, like they kind of diminished the importance of her character. I thought that besides being like an ex- kind of a clone of uh, Wild Style from the Lego Movie, I felt like Gogo was just kind of like ah, I'm the tough girl. I have a bad attitude, but I still have capacity for love and i have about five lines mm-hmm. you know and then yeah. honey lemon she she got she was super popular i felt like there was a huge focus on her 
I loved her because she was cute and she was adorable and she was just yeah. real. I mean, she had top bun on her head and her hair was down sometimes. And then she was wearing really tall heels just because even though she's the tallest girl around, she doesn't <laughs> care. She's still going to yeah. wear high heels. Um, and she was kind of like the, the mother of the group. She was really loving and kind of made sure everything was in order uh, while yeah. Gogo wasn't so much. And so I think you kind of are drawn maybe to characters more than that, but more like that. But yeah. Yeah, I, well, I, I will admit that Honey Lemon was like more multidimensional for what it's worth. I mean, I don't think the whole group was very multidimensional, but I, I, I found Honey Lemon to be more interesting. Let's just mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. And then Wasabi. Wasabi's cute. What, who did his voice? Is that guy from New Girl? Damon. Damon Dan- Wayans. Damon Wayans Jr. Yeah. So he's pretty popular these days. Um, I thought his character was pretty funny. Yeah, I liked him a lot. I loved how neurotic he was. Despite being big and bulky. The tension between him and Gogo, because Gogo was kind of like fast-paced, just didn't care. Yeah, I'm going to steal this. Thanks. And he was like, ah, no. (laughs) Everything has its place. Yes. (laughs) It's a system. I like his quote. Um, Wow. Yeah, we all have our our nicknames around here. I spill wasabi on my shirt one time. One time, people. What's his (laughs) real name? Ooh, that is probably a question. no ginger. I, <laughs> I think it was a good thing that they, because it used to be Gogo Tamago, Honey Lemon, Wasabi Ginger, ginger and then Fred. Um, and I think it was actually kind of a good thing that they just cut the names just to Gogo and Wasabi, just mm-hmm. to make it a little bit more tangible. Honey Lemon makes sense. I guess you could just call her Honey um, if you wanted but to. But that, that kind of, I don't know. Honey Lemon is kind of a more quirky, kind of more granola mm-hmm. name. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. For her character. Definitely. And then there's Fred. Oh. He's the only one who doesn't have this amazing, like, Japanese sounding name. He's and, the uh, squatter. <laughs> Campus is squatter. Even, yeah, is he even a is he even a student? How does he know these people? He doesn't even go here. Yeah, he's not a student, but somehow he's like a mascot by day <laughs> and by night. A mascot. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is the mascot. So he was oh, man. great. He, he was my favorite. He's my favorite. Maybe I just like the outcast character. He's like the shaggy, you know, mm-hmm. of the group. He's like the zoinks, you know. <laughs> and I'm surprised also, that they actually want to be friends with him. I know, because he's kind of a slob. I mean, he doesn't do his laundry. Ew, yeah. nasty. <gasps> yeah. Also, he ha- he seems to have the most fun out of everyone, and he seems to be the most, like, optimistic. Like, nothing really seems to get him down. That's why they the keep movie. him around. I guess so. We need fun people in our, in our lives. I love that he was the loaded one of the group. Like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's a bum, you know, and you're not quite sure whose couch he's living on. You live under a bridge. <laughs> uh, I loved, Morgan, I loved awesome. in your That's YouTube pretty- video when you're just like, yeah. Be nice to everyone. <laughs> you never know. Nice. You never know. Be nice to everyone because you never know when you're going to meet your Fred. <laughs> yeah. And the son of Stan Lee. We yes. have a lot to talk about, son. Uh, <laughs> it was just too good. I know. Oh, so so what did, okay, let's just jump to that. What did y'all think of the post credit scene? Amazing. Oh, worth worth staying till the end. What, is it, what does it have to, what are those suits for? Like, I, don't, I didn't get what heroes... He's, so he's just a superhero. He's just some sort yeah, of superhero. superhero. The, so what are they going to have a name? But Captain Underpants. Oh wait, that's already taken. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. And um, yeah, it's it, it. And we were we were sitting there and we were all like, "Hey, Stan Lee's got to be in this movie." Oh, there he is in the painting. But we we were we didn't we weren't expecting so much. We weren't expecting him to like have a, like a huge cameo as an animated character. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. <laughs> that was cool. I love Fred's pad. It's like. 
super nice. He has all these like replica and like original like action <laughs> figures and comics and this and is stuff. And so right he, up your alley, Mason. That's yeah. like, I know, I know. And it's like his reference material for all of his uh, decisions. <laughs> He's like, no, check it out. This evil villain was a was a, a super industrialist guy. This guy and was a corporation he... executive. <laughs> well, if you think about it, it totally makes sense that he has every copy of every you know comic book ever because his dad is Stan. Lee. Yeah. Also, he seems like super tickled. He seems like super tickled that he's like in his own comic book story. You know, it's like, all right, our first landing as a team. <laughs> oh, he was so good. You know, he, he 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 did it well without being annoying like Mr. Pricklepants uh-huh. in uh, in uh, Toy Story of Terror. You know. Yeah. So that that's pretty good. But there wasn't enough of them. No, I need I need a TV show. I need a short of Fred. I need a sequel. He is the breakout character of of yeah. all of them. He's great. There, there, there's like, so I, much I, material they could get out of this. I feel like they only reached the tip of the iceberg with them. Do you think they thought or knew how uh, successful he would be as a character? Like, do you think that uh, they didn't order enough Fred merchandise, just like how last year they didn't order enough Elsa because they thought Anna was going to be the star, and it turned out they <laughs> loved Elsa? <laughs> oh, those poor Disney executives. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think it was T.J. Miller's voice. Because I'm looking at the cast. You've got, um, okay, we'll get into Baymax in a second. I don't know who Ryan Potter is. I don't know who Ryan Jamie Potter. Is. Yeah. I don't know who, I kind of know who Jamie Chung is. And mm-hmm. I kind of know who Damon Wayans Jr. is. And I don't know who Genesis Rodriguez is. Yeah. Um, like, it's really so not a star-studded like, cast that you would expect. Like, they, they are stars, but they're not stars. It's not like Rio 2 with uh, Anne Hathaway and, you know, just some of these movies where it's all about the big name. Like, these aren't really big, huge names, which I yeah. loved because I wasn't well, I, focusing on their voice. Do you think it's just yeah. because Disney can get away with that? Now that they've kind of re... Like, now that they're on, like, a kind of an upswing... They can get away with not having big names. I think so. I think. I so. think they don't need they don't need Johnny Depp being the main character mm-hmm. unless it's a role written for him. You know, they don't need this anymore because they can just focus on who is the best voice. Like T.J. Miller, I had no idea who he was. I love this guy now, and I know he's kind of a big name, but to well, me, I remember him from How to Train Your Dragon because he's tough. Yeah, yeah. In, mm-hmm. uh, in that, but they just kind of cast the best person for the role, and this movie is so successful as a result. Yeah. Well, I think Fred's character was super triumphant. Like, I, I really think he emerged as like a breakout character, like you said. When I was at the, when I was interviewing Fred, Fred was hilarious because, not Fred, TJ Miller was hilarious because he had Mickey Mouse gloves on. Yeah. <laughs> just because. Like, oh, I, I, I'm Mickey seeing the photo hand. right now of him on IMDb. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then he had a little action figure of Fredzilla in his pocket. And I'm like, you are amazing. Like, you're that classic, like, <laughs> Just the goofy character that you, the goofy friend you know from high school who just. He had a lot of, yeah, he had a lot of fun. Yeah, and he's still having fun. You know, you can tell he's a fun guy, so. Good, that's good. Yeah, ultimately, I, I was quite disappointed in how little we, like, know about Gogo, Honey Lemon, Wasabi, and Fred. I agree. You know? Is there some tragic backstory to one of them? Or, you know, what, um, oh, what's that quote from, um, Rita Skeeter? <laughs> What something something lie behind those? I, I forget what she says. Oh. Yeah. Potter. Yeah, and um, you know, bes- besides Fred, after the credit scene, which reveals a little bit about his history and about his character, like I don't know what makes Gogo so fast. so gruff, <laughs> gruff, and and fast paced. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what makes Honey Lemon so happy or what 
you know, what secrets she's hiding or, or what, I don't know it's why Wasabi is such a neat freak. I guess so. It, I don't think so. Like, I know they've announced that her character was, like, in an interview, they said her character was Hispanic, but, uh, I don't think that. I didn't see that. No, yeah, I didn't know, because get... people, you weren't listening to the soundtrack. So, right as she, like, first comes around, she's got headphones in, and uh-huh. then she pulls them out, and right then, they have the song Dulce Boca Dulce come out, and it's, it's a pretty, like, standard, you know, South American song. Like, basically, it's um guy from, he's from Argentina. No, not from Argentina. He's Venezuela. And, like, it's a, it's a really fun song. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, I guess. You don't have to be Hispanic to listen to. It's true. It's music. very, very, very true. Um, case but why would they do that? But, yeah, that's, like that's one of those reasons. weird. Things that they, like, throw in there. It's like. See, see, now I know what you're going to say about her, the way she said hero. Mm-hmm. Hero. I Hira, thought photo. I thought that was well. I, I, you know, in Latin Hira, America, you here. say photo like that. Hero. I thought it was because she was trying to say it with more of a Japanese accent, which would yeah, both be, like, be true. Sensitive. Mm-hmm. Like she wanted to pronounce Hero's name the correct way, Hero, instead of Hero or whatever. Hero or right. the Mason Hira, way. It should have been a redneck. <laughs> he got that hey. hero. I'm working on these robots here. <sighs> Did you just say robot? Robots. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good idea. A robot. Anyway. Yeah, so definitely not enough of them. You know what there was plenty of, though, was a Baymax. Baymax. And First thing I have to say right. is that Scott Adsit was a, like, huge surprise. I did not know it was the guy from 30 Rock that no one likes. <laughs> I don't know who that is. All oh, I that's because you've never watched 30 Rock because I know. you're crazy for not watching it. I know. I, you've told me many times that I would be so good for that show. <laughs> Do you ever learn? I, I The only thing I knew him from was actually from um, ooh, the Italian job. He's the actor who's like in the car and he's like, crush thing. You did it. He's like trying to be a, a cop or something like that. Put your hands on your head. Crush. And it's like practicing in the car. And then right behind it, you've got uh, Hanson Rob. And he's like, hi, it's great. Yeah. So like, that's the part that I remembered him from. I was like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, uh, yeah. He's the guy from the Italian job. Okay. I remember that guy now. All right. But, um, holy cow. Baymax. Um, he was very, okay. Let me just say this. Every scene that was, that hadn't been already overplayed in the trailers and in, like, commercials and stuff, like, disregard all that, but all of his stuff was really cute and really funny. Man, he had the audience rolling in the mm-hmm. aisles more than anyone else. It, it, under like, the whole, like, fist bump thing, how he just doesn't yeah. get it, the part <laughs> at the end. It generated the most laughs, I, I definitely. But it was just it was just hilarious. That's the part where I busted out laughing. And I tend to be like pretty critical about the like the lovable sidekick and how how they <laughs> really overexpose them. Uh-huh. Uh, but y- you can't hate Baymax. They created a a lovable sidekick character that that turned from a side character to a, a huge part of the main character. But they managed to not they they didn't polarize audiences with them. It wasn't like with Olaf where like half the people think he's adorable but half of the audience thinks that they hate him and they just want to beat him on the head with a 2 by 4 But you could never take a 2 by 4 to to Baymax. No, he's too squishy. He's 2 by 4 <laughs> proof. I mean, he's just too squishy. Yeah. And um it's going they for that created such a feel. 
and he's so simple and yet he's he's got a little com- complexity to him he's got some quirks like when his battery runs low he turns into a kind of <laughs> drunk baymax <laughs> that was really well played healthcare okay. <laughs> but yeah uh i really like that part and then um <laughs> we man, I just don't window <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> yeah and so um i don't know such an interesting character Character. And he really broke the mold because, um, speaking of like heart, like the nitty gritty of animation, there's something that's called overlapping action where your character is animated to do multiple things at once, like, like how we do. You know, you raise your hand and there's several rotations that have to happen at once to make it look natural. But with Baymax, at the very beginning, he was very robotic, you know? Mm-hmm. He'd look, he'd look at his target, walk towards it, hit something, look down at that, you know, manipulate that look back straight forward, look back at Hero, walk towards him, and then talk, you know? Yeah. And he kind of lost that because he turned more into an action hero the way, he, you know, Hero wanted him to be. Yeah. But I really liked, the, they, they really seemed to pay attention to this character, and I loved and hated that because on the one hand, you created an unforgettable Disney character that they will be making merchandise for <laughs> for 20 years after this and beyond. Um, but at the same time, he uh, his presence really diminished the rest of the team and made them kind of an afterthought. Like I said, what do you say to that? I, you know what, I that's I feel like this one is a great first movie, and then the next movies yeah. they can just go on and they can build on it and they can actually go in and and create more stories for them. So I'm okay with them focusing on a single character. It was an origin story, yeah. It's yeah. hard to do a superhero film, just a, a one-off, you know, yeah. is what I'm realizing, yeah. especially a gang of people. Um, I feel, I'm not, I don't feel like this movie was intended to be a, you know, a sequel franchise, but, you know, when they first came up with the idea, I don't think that was their intention at all, but I think as they were developing it, they specifically chose to focus on certain characters because... Um, you just can't focus on them all. And well, if it does well, we can focus on them in a sequel, which they a hundred percent will do. That's why I'm so pumped for this sequel beyond anything else, because I just can imagine just how much they're going to focus on honey lemon. We're going to see more of Musabi and Fred. And I just, I'm so excited for this. Like even if it's a TV show, um, I would watch that. And I usually don't watch too many animated TV shows nowadays just because I'm really busy, but I would be all hands on deck for this. And I can't believe I'm saying, like, that was the one thing that when I left the theater, I thought, when is the sequel going to be announced? Because this is really good. Like, this yeah. this needs a sequel opposed to Wreck-It Ralph, which supposedly is, like, and maybe Frozen. maybe getting a sequel. Like, Frozen doesn't need a sequel and Wreck-It no. Ralph doesn't need a sequel. Nope. But this does, yeah. which is so amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it, well, definitely because it's a superhero movie. You're totally right about that. It, it is the tradition of Marvel films to make sequels. And, uh, people kind of, instead of rolling their eyes at it, they get excited. And, and I wonder why the public has that kind of reaction for a superhero, so for superhero movies, but not for like, say, Frozen. Because I was rolling my eyes when they were talking about the sequel. Or Toy Story 4. Uh. Um, but yeah. <laughs> that is a completely other episode. My gosh. Um, were y'all okay with the fact that Baymax... Okay, would you have rather had... Were you were you okay with how Baymax was lost in that dimension and then came back, quote-unquote, when Hero rebuilt him? Or would you have rather have him be lost forever? I... Uh, 
it would have made it's his, almost as if that sacrifice didn't matter exactly it would have made the yeah. sacrifice that much more important and endearing and you know just crucial to hero yeah. and he would just forever be grateful but poor hero we can't have him lose two of yeah. his you know this is like his surrogate brother kind of um he so. has left of his brother too but it makes yeah, it's like an extension of Tadashi. But it makes sense that he was able to come back, you mm-hmm. know, considering this is about science. And as long as you had the chip, which all, which I'm sure there probably was, he made a copy somewhere. Oh so it's not like he had to give him the actual chip. But it was just a cute gesture that, like, oh, I have this and I can recreate him, and he's back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can't remember what movie it reminded me of where something is gone and then it just comes back at the end and it like smiles. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I totally. Yeah, there's a. Feel like it's an animated film that does a movie. Well, speaking of animated films, like comparatively speaking, I felt like the loss of Baymax and then rebuilding him like five minutes afterwards, it it didn't even compare to uh, when we lost um, Stoic the Vast in How to Train Your Dragon Two. That was yes. devastating. Yes. And that film was a lot more mature because, yeah. great, now Hiccup has to has to lead and, and live without that, like, that anchor in his life, you know? I, but he did gain another parent in the process. I will say, Not, though, that I that teared up in. more in this one than I did in in How to Train Your Dragon. Really? I disagree. Yeah. I not I don't disagree with <laughs> I disagree I, that you did not hear I think you're much. lying, Chelsea. <laughs> no, I know. Like, like there were I think it was just I don't know. I think there was just parts where you just because Tadashi was such like a that like I said earlier before, like he's just the that whole person. He was everything that you would want in to in a best friend, everything you would want in a brother, everything you would want in somebody to be around and just giving everything. Um Stoic the Vast, he was gruff and he like he had his he was a personality, like he was a real person. Like but I don't know. I think maybe it's just in the way that they did it. I don't know. They milked it was what they did. They just milked this milked sucker it, eh? as hard as they could and they they got it out of me. I cried more. Right, I've been turned right. into a cow. Can I go home? Yes, you're excused. Anyone else? <laughs> all right, all right. Anything else on Baymax? I thought he was adorable, but I think they overplayed him a little bit, but of course they have to because they need to rope in the captive audience, aka families. That's my final word on Baymax. I guess I'm happy that he's coming back. I would have really liked it better, though, if he they had lost him forever and then he comes back out of that dimension um, in a in another film. Uh-huh. Ooh. Possibly as evil anti-Baymax. Um, one thing that I kind of thought was strange about Hero is Hero basically is the, the brain of the organization. He's sort of like the center. Yeah. And so he creates everybody's... Uh, armor and their super suits and even one for him and one for Baymax. But everyone else has really, well, like Fred has these jumping powers. He has all these abilities and Baymax has wings and he has blasters and whatever. And then Hero has nothing, at least nothing that we know of. And I thought that was kind of like why he was so dependent on Baymax that it just seemed bizarre to me that he didn't like self he didn't build anything for himself just in case you know the robot who isn't perfect yet makes some mistakes or whatever uh, oh, yes. would would get lost or would get destroyed why he can't even hero can't fly it's not he, like yeah. he can do everything like he's he got can't do everything <laughs> he doesn't have wings or fly well, he should have just made himself a mini version of Baymax falling with style that's what he can do. 
All right. Consider this, Morgan. Okay. So I was just I was just watching. Uh, there's a really good. If you like video games like me, um, mm-hmm. there's a YouTube series called Extra Credits, and they're really good. They they go really. They talk about like game mechanics and and story and everything, and they're really good. But they talked about the difference between um, Japanese role playing games and or no no um, Japanese games and uh, American made games, and I in Japanese like anime and like games and like rpgs um your your robot or like your weapon is a part of you it's not really something that you like grab out of your holster holster shoot until you have no ammo and then you discard it for another one like in in uh, american games yeah and so i think they're really trying to push that kind of japanese pop culture um or anime uh trope of of a, a robot or a or a powerful machine being an Pokemon. extension, yeah, right. <laughs> being an extension or like a really solid companion of the of the human character, it's true. and that's why I think Hero's power is just to connect with Baymax and and be an unstoppable team. Mm-hmm. That's good points. I like that. Yeah. So consider that. I consider them, and I like them. Oh, thank you for your consideration. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> All right, for real this time. Anything else on Baymax? Let's go to the supervillain. Oh, the supervillain. Oh, Yokai. Yokai, he is super, super villain. <laughs> hey. Kabuki man. <laughs> let me uh, let me get this straight. Can you please do that Crazy video. guy in a kabuki mask. Add <laughs> that to your list. making an army of micro robots. Okay, I will. Yes. Um, you should hear my Stoic the Vast. It's actually really good. Yes. All right. Lesson learned from Frozen, no surprise villain reveal will, will ever top Hans. No, no. I'm sorry. It just cannot be done. It will never be done for the history of animation. Go home. <laughs> we kiss, we smooch, we carry on, we go home. What do you say? Hey, I did a Hercules quote. I'm so impressed. Without being coerced to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I felt like his reveal was... It was like, oh, and even like in that moment when they were going to reveal, Jared was like, it's the brother, which would have been incredible. Right. It, it would have, have been totally so not awesome. made sense, but yes, they would have exactly. made it work. I had, I would have had faith in Disney. <laughs> but when it was Callahan, I, I kind of sat there and I'm like, oh, okay, like, oh. that makes sense. I don't know What's why Disney? you had to destroy the, the building to steal those when basically you had someone at your disposal who could have made you some. And by the way, I'm not quite sure why Hero just didn't make his own army of microbots to fight your microbots. All right. But that's cool. <laughs> well, it's um, like it's like, you know, those um, those magnetized things where you can like build your own. Yeah, they're like those beads and stuff that you get at like Klein's Corner. Exactly. Like exactly. Exactly what I'm talking about. So it's like those. Like you... you they just are magnetized to each other, so you can't really... He Except they follow out. your every command. Yes, but how do they know whose command to follow? Like, he hasn't totally... He can just build new ones on different frequency. What if he... Bam. No, no, he doesn't have to make a new one. He just has to make a more powerful headband, and that's it. Ooh, there <laughs> we go. That's all he true. had to do. <laughs> true. You're, so you're telling me Honey Lemon, with her purse powers, just needed to say, Hiro, you just need to build a new headband. I can help you. Cause she loves clothes. Like, no, your <laughs> your program's dumb. I'm not going to school. <laughs> He's okay. like, no, we're gonna do this a hard way. I'm gonna rope you all into this and risk your lives. <laughs> anyway, okay. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I also was severely disappointed by the big villain review I, uh, reveal. I really wanted it to be Tadashi. Mm-hmm. Think of how devastating that would be. All the kids in the theater would be like <laughs> super confused. <laughs> 
that that's right kids nothing is real that could top uh maybe hans <laughs> yeah i know i don't know <laughs> then you Call would never trust a disney movie every time (laughs) that would have tainted well he could have easily been under mind control or something maybe he was being used by a a super villain to just throw maybe it was like a a robot tadashi tadashi tron tron dashi (laughs) tron dashi anyway so callahan aka kabuki man aka yokai I think he was an interesting villain for the following reasons. I will I will pull a John Lasseter and say what I liked before critiquing. Um, I like that he was driven by revenge, and I'm so glad that they didn't go with Cray. I would have been I would have just rolled my eyes if it was that same old oh evil industrialist capitalist corporate mm-hmm. megalomaniac guy. Oh, he just wants to control the world with technology and make money. That's so. I'm so tired of it. Yeah. So he was a little bit... They're good people with money, people. Yeah. Someday I want to be one. the top of my head, I can't... Yeah, right. (laughs) And, and, uh, yeah, anyway, moving on. So I like that he was driven by revenge. Granted, the revenge-driven villain is... um, It's not overused, but it is classical. It's It's not totally original. But that's fine. And I really think that Yokai's character design was really cool. I mean, he could easily be like a Sith Lord. You know what I mean? And um, the the layout department for uh, Disney Animation did a super good job of doing some like really cool like comic booky angles and dramatic shots with him. You know, you know he like raises his hands and like kind of orchestrates the microbots. You know, and everything's very dynamic and no dialogue. Like that very awkward silence. Yeah, I thought I'd lost you guys, <laughs> uh, but there's also. There's also no dialogue. I I love. Oh, sorry. I was talking this whole time. I was on mute. (laughs) I was like, why is why is this awkward? I'm totally. (laughs) This isn't awkward. I'm talking here. All right, continue. (laughs) You you don't like me. Continue with what you're doing. (laughs) But the no dialogue thing was was effective because it kind of gave him like a Darth Maul kind of like Phantom Menace kind of feel. So I did like that. Yeah. What did y'all like about Yokai? I loved his kabuki mask. The kabuki mask. They should have Ron Paulson. So let me get this straight. Man with the kabuki mask. <laughs> I love Ron Paulson. Long so live Ron Paulson. Long live Paul Robson. <laughs> Paul Robson. That's why I should not and try to multitask. <laughs> anti Rob Paulson. Rob Robson is my brother. You know, I, I know your question was what... Uh, you loved about him, but I didn't really love this villain. Uh oh. Um, I had a hard time with his motives. Like I understood. Mm-hmm. Oh, brother. But why do you have to kill yourself and then act like a bad guy? Why couldn't he just? I I know because he figured out the only way that I can rebuild this is with heroes microbots. But at the same time, can't why you just pull a gun on the guy? Couldn't you just borrow them for an afternoon? Hero would totally not notice. Um. <laughs> But he had to create way, way, way more, so maybe he would. It's just like, oh no, I just made some more for you. Or maybe he would just be like, just circuiting them out, like just like a couple here, a couple there, two for you, one for me, you know, just kind of like mm-hmm. one after one. Oh, they just got oh, lost. Oh, it could have been like by degrees. Yeah. Yes. Okay. By degrees. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, and then I felt very conflicted with him because I didn't really feel that he was ever that big of a threat. Right. Um, 
He's you just know? like, ooh, and then spooky I, guy. Yeah, exactly. And then when I found out who he was and his motives for his daughter, then I felt very conflicted when he when ultimately she mm. saved at the end and he just is like thrust into a cop car and it's like, well, that sucks. You should uh, <laughs> I did, rethink I did your like accent. that he doesn't ever get to, to be reunited with his daughter. I, I did like that. That was sweet, sweet revenge. Yes, it shows that if you, just because you do bad things for a good, quote, reason, which that was not good. Uh, doesn't mean doesn't... that you're at all redeemed. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. And he was he was never redeemed. He was just a nasty, cranky old man. Yeah. Who wanted revenge, and 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 here's where we get all these problems again. Again, it's the the microbots. I think the microbots were like the thing that I disliked most about this film because his objective, like punishing Cray for his uh, negligence, was sorely dis- disproportionate to the power of the microbots. Like, imagine what he could have done to that city, to the world, even. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he made a bazillion of those things. He's not going to take over the world or anything. All he wants to do is just punish Cray. Like, why not just pull a gun on him? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. You're all about pulling no... guns. <laughs> you, this is like the third time oh, you know me down, down here in Texas. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, down here in we Texas, know. we're like we're like Yosemite Sam down here. <laughs> I know your side gig is making... I'm a varmint. <laughs> I know your side gig is making some uh, doormats with guns on them. So that's oh, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. My, my side business. <laughs> I like it. Almost no emotional connection with Hiro besides being responsible for starting the fire that killed Tadashi. Now, that is a cool moment because it is shocking and tragic to see Hiro um, so angry that he disables Baymax's medical personality Mm -hmm. and turns him into a a killing machine. That was scary. Like, that made everyone scared of Baymax, and it was kind of like that Iron Giant moment, Mm -hmm. you know, when you see what he's really capable of. So I liked that conflict. But other than that, like, he just wasn't close enough to Hero um, to make him a, a, an effective comic book style hero villain. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of, like, Peter Parker and then the, the Osbournes, Norman and Harry. Mm-hmm. They were all close buddies and family friends. And, and, and that made the Green Goblin and, and the other Green Goblin even more tragic. Yeah. And then uh, Thor and Loki, even though Marvel's treatment of Thor and Loki is despicable, they're brothers and, and there's supposed to be a tragic relationship there. And then you get Captain America versus the Winter Soldier slash uh, Bucky Barnes. They were combat buddies, and and it mm-hmm. was a it was a huge tragic deal when it would when have we been found so out about much that. Better, like you guys were talking about earlier, had he had the help of him in the beginning to build it, right? And because then, then he would have felt even more betrayed. Besides, hey, you're an arsonist who just happened to kill my <laughs> to kill my brother. Like I don't want to. You know, I don't, I don't want to. Or my brother just happened treat to die in your in your arson fire. Right. I don't want to treat family the concept of family death to anything lightly, but you know what I mean. Right. Also, there's no there's no cool music for him. Did That's you ever see true. Captain America two? Yeah. Every time the Winter Soldier showed up, they had this kind of like Trent Reznor like kind of Nine Inch Nail sounding musical thing that really got your blood pumping. And then of course um, the Joker's um, theme music on in the Dark Knight, and then you know Bane and, and all that stuff. And so there's a lot of filmmakers that are really good at setting the mood when a villain shows up, but it, it just it just wasn't there for this film. Yeah, the music wasn't as um, present as in a lot of different movies that I would like to see. Um, I mean, definitely they had like the couple songs that were the bigger songs that they have been promoting yeah. a lot more, and those were good. I like those songs, but like you're saying, like the the scoring was not my. I just. I've been raised to another level of like I just appreciate good scoring. 
And they just couldn't bust burst out in the song just just I once. No, no. And the <laughs> thing is, I'll, even a lot of people have been asking me, like, you know, what, how did it compare to Frozen? How did it compare to Frozen? But to me, Frozen is a musical, and musicals are very different from this type of a movie. I don't even compare this to Frozen. Not not at all. Incomparable. No, not at all. But it. The scoring of a film, like you were talking about how each one of these characters have their own theme song going on in the background. Um, I didn't, I didn't notice it. Um, and it wasn't something that stood out as something that I needed to notice. I noticed the soundtrack only in the fact that I noticed that it was big and booming and epic. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally it just sort of just goes into the background. Uh, I don't pay attention. But this one, I did notice that it was there. So to me, that was a win for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I didn't necessarily notice any themes. Like, I couldn't hum you any. But I'm sure if I listened to it, I'd be like, oh, yeah. And then the only thing that really stood out was the uh, Fall Out Boy song. Mm-hmm. When I heard that, I was like, ah, oh, it's the song. Oh, yeah. Yay. Immortals. Yeah, that was cool. I, there's this funny moment where Hero gets super frustrated, you know, with, with everything that's going on. They, they barely managed to put... Baymax, you know, back to normal. And he just leaves, you know, and he has his cathartic moment. And then all his friends come back and they're like, they say something like, hey, shouldn't leave us on an island all alone with no way to get out. I was always thinking about that. Like, he just left them. That's what what I thought, too. I'm like, what a jerk. (laughs) But, you know, it kind of just showed that he really was all for himself and didn't care. Mm -hmm. I did like the little transformation that Hero underwent. I I wish they could have pushed it a... I wish they could have pushed it a little further, but um, I did like that that change where he totally snapped because he wanted blood. He wanted revenge, you know, and he realized at the end of the film that he could have turned into Callahan, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that maybe Callahan's, you know, fall was even more of a waste than than hero. But but yeah, yeah he, he realized that he could be a superhero, um, you know, but not an executioner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess we can talk about. The big final battle. I think the only thing that yeah. really stood out to me there is the first battle. They couldn't quite figure out how to work together. They didn't have their powers down. And then the second battles were really where everything solidified. And, like, you just got to see it from a different angle. And then they were all able to escape at exactly the same time. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. I kind of have a beef with movies that are like, all right, we're having a high stakes thing here in a in a giant environment that looks like a combat arena. Looks like you can really work for a final battle. Battle. <laughs> oh, I'm making this huge technology that's going to suck people into space if we're not careful. I hope a super villain doesn't come get us. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so Cray's like, hey, let me just have this giant ribbon cutting ceremony, this giant, you know, Coliseum shaped building and <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, everything's perfectly set up. Anyway, sorry, I don't I don't want people to think that I'm like hating on this movie, but I I just I guess I just chuckled cynically there. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm getting too cynical. But anyway, I did like the final battle because they go into the interdimensional portal. I saw it and I was like, oh, they have to go in. Mm-hmm. They have to go in, and they do it. It was awesome. Such a beautiful. Um, that was well, the, the the visual and special effects for this film were just perfect. Because there's the dimension, and then there's um, Honey Lemon's, like, kind of gooey, smoky things, you know, that she throws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk about Pokemon Snap. They're like those pester ball things that you throw at Pokemon. <laughs> and they're like, hey! <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but, like, fighting with all those microbots, it just it was, you know, with the Hyperion engine, it is possible now. But it's uh, just a, a technical achievement, final battle. And I like the moment where where Hiro um, inspires them to think outside the box 
once again, Hero is the brains of the group and whatever. But I, I liked uh, Gogo Chamago. She just spins super fast out of that, out of the microbot prison that she's in. That was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Wasabi lets his wild kind of brutal side show through a little bit. And then Fred's just like, oh, that's right. I'm in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. My arms. <laughs> they don't stretch anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was a good one. (laughs) See, that's something I really liked about this movie. Like, there were a couple, like, two times, possibly three, where I got, like, really emotional, where I felt, like, connected, and I... there, Like I said, I got emotional. There was a little bit of tearing. Um, And then there were... bunch of times where I was just laughing out loud. And I was just like, that is hilarious. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. Hilarious. And so I think for that cause, I gave it such a high score because it did do a really good balance of the two. And for me, I really didn't feel like I was waiting around for the next thing to happen. I've heard other people say that there was like one spot in the in the middle where it kind of got slow, but I didn't feel that. I felt like everything was pretty cohesive. They, as far as they followed the rules in the story, and so I felt like this was a good all around. Not much to improve on story. All right. Well, I think that's a good good ending point for like ra- rounding everything up with our like final thoughts on our ratings. What do you guys say? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Chelsea, will you stay with your five star rating? Final answer. <laughs> is, is that your final oh. answer? You know, now that like I said, like now that we've like shown all these different things, I'm like, you know what? But then I look at all the other, all the other movies and yeah, I've had differences with, even though there have been five star movies in my head, like, yeah, that could have been different, but I still give this, I still give it five. Yeah. It was one that I could watch over. I I believe that this would have a lot of good replay value for me. And if I were a kid, you better believe this would have great replay value for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I loved this movie. Leaving the theater, I was just all smiles. I was laughing throughout. I loved the characters. And I was like so, you know, because we cover animation, I was just so excited for other people to see this movie, Mm -hmm. too, so they could just know how good it is. And just on a completely different level than Frozen, I I know people are trying to make the comparisons, but I don't make the comparison at all. It's different genres. It's different types of films. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's nothing to compare, like. Stop it. So, um, but I loved Baymax way more than I thought I was going to. You know, he seemed a little oversaturated from the trailers, sort of like Olaf syndrome, but he really ended up, uh, almost stealing the show. He really ended up almost stealing the show. Um, I think, I still think Fred was just the winner all around. Um, I love the cast of characters. (laughs) I thought it was good. There were, I, I thought it was too fast at the beginning. Others don't think that way. Um, but really, once it started getting going, I just loved everything that I saw. So I'm going to give it four and a half stars. Excellent. All right. I guess it comes down to me. Um, when I started the podcast, when I started recording, I didn't know if I was going to give it 3.5 stars or four stars. And then I try. I, I thought maybe I could pull a Myra because it's kind of a special episode and do <laughs> 3.75 stars. All right. My final answer is 4.0 stars. Nothing more, nothing less. I still think Tangled is the best out of the four CG films. You know, the, the big main ones that have been. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard. It's going to it set such a high bar, but um, you just can't beat Tangled, in my opinion. Loved it. I really got it handed to the animation crew for this film. My gosh, such awesome animation. And um, having had the experience of animating a, like a short film um, recently that's, you know, full CG and all that stuff, uh, I, I realized how super hard it is. So Disney 
animators are just amazing talent, super, super cool. And then the effects and like the lighting and the rendering was just, it was just beautiful. This is a beautiful looking film. And, um, if you're a fan of animation, you just, you just gotta recognize, um, the technical achievements of this film, you know, the all powerful Hyperion engine. I did have problems with the story, as we discussed. I don't want anybody to think that I'm, like, the super cynical guy. or What did that one guy call me on a YouTube video? Actually, I can't say because there's preschool toys around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I don't want anybody to think that I'm, like, cynical or that I'm trying to be, like, overcritical just because it's Disney. But I did have some some qualms with the story. But overall, I, I came out of the theater smiling and, and laughing. And uh, I would definitely watch it again, and just to just to experience again how beautiful and how awesome a world that Disney created. I think this shows Disney's like mature story selling uh, storytelling side even more than Wreck It Ralph. Like it was a sci-fi superhero movie without being without polarizing uh, the audience, and it's something I think everyone will enjoy, and uh, I certainly did. To our listener Twitter question, um, also voicemail. So let's take a look. Okay, so our listener Twitter question today was, what was your favorite moment of Big Hero 6? And we have Andrew Thomas, and he says, when Baymax comes back at the end. Frank says, the first flying sequence with Hero and Baymax. Tyler says... My favorite scenes were, one, Hero meeting his brother's friends, the team trying out their super suits, Baymax emotional scene. Uh, Nicole says, Harry baby, or... <laughs> that was a great, great <laughs> joke. Oh, my gosh. And then um, Brianna says, drunk Baymax. The walrus says, the whole movie. Catherine says, the, the walrus ch- has spoken. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Catherine says the car chase scene, especially when Wasabi stopped at the red light, but also when Hero found Baymax's chip at the end. J.K. Ricky, and he says the impactful death of Hero's brother, the most unexpected and interesting aspect of the film. Milan Harrison says the emotional scene at the end of the film with Hero and Baymax. I am satisfied with my care. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good one. That was a good moment. Can I do a few? Yeah, go. Here's one from, sorry, C. Rose? C. Rose? Anyway. Not exactly favorite, but when Tadashi hits Hiro for uh, bot fighting on the scooter, I thought it was a nice touch. That was good. It was kind of a brotherly brotherly thing. Uh, Mika Hirsch says, uh, the part after the credits that everyone else always misses. I didn't miss it. A true Marvel fan stays after the credits. Daniel Castellan, duh, Fred's amazing song. Oh, is there a song that I'm forgetting? Yeah, when he's like, this is our theme song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, that's right. <laughs> With a magic amulet. <laughs> That's right. I love how it just kept getting like more and more crazy and unrealistic. <laughs> and unrealistic doesn't have anything to do with reality. Oh, he was so uh, good. I want that as my screen, as my uh, ringtone. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Okay, so Fred's amazing song. And then uh, Gianna Lee says, Tadashi rescues Hero from the bot fight when Hero and Baymax do a fist bump. How Hero becomes his brother by the end of the film. Aw. Ben Rose, my man, he says, Spoilers when Hero gets Baymax to kill Callahan and the rest of the team tries to stop him. So tense and quite scary. Shelby S. had something to say about that. Yeah, I was scared even though I, I know it wasn't really Baymax. And the fear on Ca- Callahan's face hurt me. That was, that was a pretty interesting part. That's a good point. And then, let's see, uh, Jacqueline Cullen, Tough. Probably Hero and Baymax's first flight, but the emotional punch of Hero and Baymax post-island fight uh, is really good. Ben continues, I liked how Honey was the one to put the chip back in because I felt like she didn't do as much as she should have. All right. Kimberly Hayner says, when Hero and Baymax are are sitting on the balloon and Bay asks if he was satisfied and Hero freaked, it showed how close Hero got to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cute. Aww. And we got Corazon, a.k.a. Janice Marie, uh, Fred singing his version of Charlie's Angels entitled Fred's Angel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what it, that's right. It was like a parody of Charlie's Angels. <laughs> it was all about Fred, even though Fred wasn't like the leader, clearly. Fred's Angels, right. <laughs> cool. All right, so we have four voicemails and one email. I did a very last-minute call. It was a super busy day, and I forgot to let people know that, hey, by the way, we're not doing Ratatouille. We're actually going to be doing uh, Big Hero 6 in the meantime. And people were totally on the ball, and they sent us their voicemail review, so let's go check it out. First one is from August. Big Hero 6 is one of the best superhero movies ever made. It's full of fun and has a lot of heart. It's on par with The Incredibles. I give it four stars. Go see it now. I like that. That was a very short, quick-to-the-point review, and it had a challenge. Go see it now. Hello, Rotoscopers. I saw your call to action on Twitter looking for Big Hero 6 reviews, and, well, I just saw this movie yesterday, and I would love to share my opinion with you. Overall, this movie was fantastic. Beautiful visuals, wonderful characters, and a really solid plot. Oh, wow, what a satisfying movie. I'd give it a grade A. I especially loved the sibling relationship between Tadashi and Hiro. And Baymax, well, obviously a scene stealer. I can't wait to meet a Baymax at Disneyland soon. But overall, when I left the movie theater, I wasn't feeling particularly amazed for some reason. I don't know if it's because of superhero fatigue, or I've kind of seen more or less the same in some other animated movies. That doesn't really detract from my enjoyment of Big Hero 6, though. Heck, I'd love to see more of these characters in the future, whether a sequel or maybe a spin-off show. What do you guys think? Anyways, thanks for letting me share my opinion. Keep up the great work, and you guys rock. Here's a fist bump. ba la 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 Awesome. Thanks for sending in your voicemail. And yes, I completely agree. I would love to see these characters again. And I think that's a huge sign about how well they did, how, what a great job they did at creating just a cast of characters that you've grown to love in such a short amount of time. Our next one is from Bree. Hi, my name's Bree Gallagher. Um, I actually saw the movie back on October 27th. So it was really hard for me for that like week and a half to kind of keep everything in especially with the drunk Baymax health. God, I can't even um, re-quote it. Anyway, I really, really love the movie, especially Disney's new Hyperion renderer. I'm sorry, I'm kind of in the nerdy things. But, of course, the part that I like the most is the relationship of Hero and Baymax. My only 
minor complaint is I would have liked to see the team have a little bit more um, action in the film and outside of the team maybe Aunt Cass because I really felt like you have Maya Rudolph and I really felt that her talents were underutilized but at the end of the day the story is still the story of Hero and Baymax and Hero getting over the loss of Tadashi but I really wouldn't be surprised if Disney in like a year and a half or maybe two years has a big Hero 6 series on Disney XD or something like that especially since a lot of the uh, voice actors, well, in particular T.J. Miller, is already on Gravity Falls and Disney XD, and most of the voice actors in the film have television experience, so it would be very probable that they would, if they were to ever do their characters again, to get them back on the show. So, I really enjoyed the movie, and I'm going to kind of cut this off, because I want to allow other listeners to give their feedback, so thanks for listening. Toodles! Thanks, Bree. Here, I have a question. Yes. Do you guys think it would be more beneficial for them to do and like a theatrical release or just to do like a TV series with these things? I'm kind of leaning towards TV series. Like it just seems like she made a good point about how they all have TV experience and mm-hmm. something that totally could be right up their alley. And like, yeah, a TV series of norm is normally like the cheap route. That like, uh, whatever, we'll just, you know, make a spin off a TV series about it. But this just seems so appropriate because then we can see their different adventures and comic books have issues after issues after issues. So Jimmy, oh, let me, you can't continue and I will. Okay. I agree. Plus what else does Disney TV have? Yeah. They've kind of lost a lot Jake of the pirate, but I mean, there's also, for example, looking at DreamWorks, how they've had a really good relationship with Netflix, and they've been creating oh, a lot got of the these dragons. Yeah, they they don't really sell to any networks, they, but they sell to Netflix. I don't know. I, I, I'm wondering, like, what Disney is going to be doing. I think they're missing the boat, not jumping in and doing a lot more with Netflix. But that's just my opinion. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Sometimes. Outlets like Netflix have like exclusive deals, but not really. I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, I I think I would like to see a TV series and then a, a follow up sequel, like theatrical release. Uh, sort of like what DreamWorks did with um, writers of Burke. Dragons. Mm-hmm. Burke, Dad. Dragons and Burke. <laughs> yeah. All right. Our next one is from Dylan. Let's listen to what he has to say. Howdy, guys. This is uh, High Side Dibarenzu from uh, Twitter. And Big Hero 6. What can I say about Big Hero 6 other than the fact that it is an awesome little film? In all honesty, it is probably one of the better Disney flicks of this generation. And, if I'm perfectly honest, better than Frozen. The film is packed with heart, packed with emotion. It's a hodgepodge of Japanese and American subcultures. And, in all honesty, if you haven't seen it yet... Please do. It's fantastic. And I also gotta say, I want a Baymax. Baymax and Hero have snuck their way into my Disney favorites list ever since watching the film last Saturday. <laughs> Anyways, hello, fellow rotoscopers. Later. Ah, yes. Fellow ro- rotoscopers. We are fellows. 
the Fellowship of the Rotos. It's true. Anyone who Any, is anyone a, can be a rotoscoper. Anyone who's an animation addict is a rotoscoper. That's yeah. They are yeah. one and the same. Oh, yes, everyone. <laughs> like, start referring to yourselves as rotoscopers now. We are all one. Cue music yeah. from Lightning If we to... hold on oh. together, <laughs> harmony, harmony. I was going to do that. We are one. Do do. Oh yeah. Do. <laughs> <laughs> you throw back duo again, because we're yeah. a duo, a duo from last Wow, we week. have really gone on a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. So our last review is an email, and it's from Daniel C. So I will go ahead and read this. It says, hi, Rotoscopers. This is Daniel, or as people on the website know, Aqua Pyro. Ooh, I've been a big fan of animation since I was born, and I love that there is a high-quality podcast that discusses animated films as a film, not a cartoon. I recently saw Big Hero 6 at an advanced screening with my friends, and they witnessed something that they had never seen, me crying. During Tadashi's death, I became so emotional that I had to get up and walk out of the theater. Luckily, my friends understood my emotions. Like I said on the site, my older brother is in the military making healthcare robots and fixing medical equipment. And we finished the movie, and I went back to watch it again immediately after because we missed about 20 minutes of the film. Anyway, my thoughts on Big Hero 6. I thought it was an incredible film. The animation in this film is incredible, with scenes that are just simply breathtaking. The animation rendering is amazing with the help of Hyperion and Denizen. The fact that this really is the first Marvel-slash-Disney film is a risk that truly paid off. The characters are so diverse and likable that if you took them out of the film and put them in our world, there really is someone just like one of the six. Baymax is really the biggest breakout character Disney has ever made. He displays so much emotion with so little features. He really does steal the show. And as I said before, the rest of the cast really does a great job showing emotion and bonding. If there are only a couple of gripes with the film, much like any Marvel film, with the villain as Callahan is weak. But as Yokai, he's awesome. But that is such a little complaint that really doesn't affect the film. This is one of the few films where I would like to see a sequel, since like many films, it's an origin story but one done right. The reason why I appreciate this film a lot more than The Incredibles is because why they are a family of supers, they still had superpowers. Big Hero 6 gave them gave the six technology to give them powers. Plus the fact that the first time that they attacked as a team is really true. The first fight is always a disaster for the team. It's not perfect. It makes the characters much more real and connected. Big Hero 6 is a huge risk that paid off. It combined the action of Marvel, the heart of Disney, and the comedy of both. It's a great addition to the Disney revival, and I I cannot wait to see what we have in store for Zootopia and Moana. I give it a 9 out of 10. Daniel C. Ah, well said. Well said. Very well said. You know, one thing we never did in this whole um, episode is we never, I don't think we ever compared it once to The Incredibles. Mm-mm. I didn't feel that it was the same. Maybe we should have one of our, we should have one of our roto writers, if they feel so inclined, to write about the a compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. And if, if they even should be compared. Because I think we all agree that Big Hero Six, is, you can't even compare it to Frozen, no, mm-hmm. or or Wreck It or Wreck It Ralph, Mm-mm. but maybe other superhero films. That includes uh, The Incredibles, Los Increíbles. Thank you, Daniel. That was a very very good little review. So that is all for our episode of Big Hero 6, reviewing and discussing the film. 
ultimately, I think all of us really, really enjoyed this film. And so I don't want to give that impression from, you know, we were nitpicking some things here and there and just kind of breaking it down and talking. That's what we do in this podcast. But overall, for me, I did give it five and a half stars. Five and a half. Wow. (laughs) Holy cow. I gave this film four and a half stars and I am just you know, bubbling over about this film and so excited. Disney animation is really on a roll and it's exciting to see them back because they really were the originators of feature length films and they've had such a roller coaster over the years. And I'm glad to see that we are witnessing kind of one of the, the peaks of Disney animation and not the valleys. Yeah. Continuously innovating and, and discovering new ways of doing things. Go Disney. All right, for those that are listening to this episode, be sure to use the hashtag animatics on Twitter and the hashtag Hashtag AnimAddicts80. Wow. Eight zero, guys. We're into the 80s. We're getting Holy old. Holy cow, 80 episodes. Uh-huh. So old. Yeah. Um, yeah. For show notes, visit rotoscopers.com slash 80. You can also find us on Hypable and Animated Views. Subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, basically anywhere great podcasts are found. And, of course, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, we love that. Please leave us a review because that's why other people, fellow rotoscopers like you, can find the show. If you have an email and you'd like to let us know, send us an email at contact at rotoscopers.com. We do have a backlog. Remember a few episodes ago, I'm like, we've caught up. Wow. Everyone sent in a bunch of emails and we have not caught up. So uh, the best way to actually they fix get, that, the best way to get on the show is to send us a voicemail because we always put voicemails on the most recent episode because we just they're easier to play. They they yeah, they're great. So you can send us a voicemail at rotoscopers dot com slash voicemails or you can call us on your phone at four zero six six four six six five seven five. Don't forget to use our Amazon and affiliate links. Those are in the show notes. Uh, it's one way that you can easily support the show just by doing the normal shopping that you would. I know that Christmas and the holidays are coming up and Black Friday. So if you're going to be doing any of those shopping on Amazon, use our link. We love when you do. Uh, also, we still have a few Roto shirts. You can buy those at rotoscopers.com. They're amazing. And this is oh, a yeah. limited uh, run. So we're not going to be doing this design ever again. So you definitely want to check it out. Um, Speaking of Black Friday and t-shirts, we are also going to be having a Black Friday sale for t-shirts one day only. We are just pulling out all the stops for you guys. If you have been waiting to get your Rotoscopers t-shirt, this is going to be the day. We are going to be dropping t-shirts from $20 down to $12 with $3 shipping and... And, and we have a selection of signed t-shirts by all three of us. Now, this is really impressive because none of us have ever been in the same room together. So these shirts have been making, you know, the the traveling shirts, you know, Um, but they all have been signed by each one of us. So those are going to be $16 signed. And so once again, this is going to be one day only Get on the website, go to rotoscopers.com slash store, and the coupon code will be Black Friday. And like I said, you don't want to miss this. So mark your calendars. Definitely this is going to be the thing to do. One little caveat to that is that I do have all of the t-shirts in my possession, um, but I'm going to be traveling right after Thanksgiving, and so I'm not going to be back until about the 9th. So basically don't expect the t-shirts until after about 
the 15th of December, but we will definitely try to get them in for Christmas. Also, we have found a much better way for international shipping as well. So that one has been dropped significantly. So once again, Black Friday is your day. We have a very limited amount of t-shirts, but do not let this go by without you getting your Rotoscopers t-shirt. I want to say something about the Rotoscoper t-shirt. I love my Roto shirt. I wear it. I don't even wash it. I wear it front, and then I turn it to the back, and then I turn it inside out, and then I wear it front, and then back. (laughs) That is perfect. (laughs) And on that note, our next episode is going to be the continuation of the Rats and Mice series. Finally, we are going to be doing Ratatouille. Uh, Sorry for the false uh, impression that I gave last episode that we were going to do that this episode. We promise Ratatouille, and then Big Hero 6 happened. Hey, what are you going to do, folks? (laughs) You can find us all online. I'm Morgan Stradling on Twitter. Chelsea's at Chelsea Robson on Twitter and ChelseaRobson.com will take you to her Facebook page. Mason is at MasonSMTX on Twitter as well as MasonSmithPortfolio.com. Please hire me. I'm really good. He's awesome. Oh, but hey, before we go, I've been kind of remiss in mentioning that we are coming up on the year end. Can we believe it? Another oh, yeah, year so coming on. Yeah, this will be mid-November. So, yeah, we're going to start compi- Ooh, we're gonna start getting ready for the best of 2014 episode. Yeah, baby. So all year long, I have been compiling different quotes and different funny things that have happened. But I'm sure I didn't get all of them. So please send us an email. Um, if you want us to go to contact at Rotoscopers, you can send us an email there and... Make sure to let us know, like, the episode, like, different parts. If you can, if you, like, happen to be listening listening to an episode and you're like, oh, my gosh, at 26 minutes and 33 seconds was the best moment ever. Please put that in the uh, best of 2014 episode. We can do that. So make sure to send that. We are accepting voicemails now for the best of 2014 episode. This is going to be mostly voicemails. It's mostly you guys. So make a statement. Tell us what you think. Let us know. The best part about doing the podcast is really getting to hear from all of you guys. I mean, please, we want to hear you. We love hearing your voices. We love making, like, that's basically how we know that we have made friends. Head on over to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails, and you will be able to send us yours. Also, we are going to be doing the Rotoscopers Awards. Woohoo! This is so much better than um, the Academy Awards because this is just this is just the Rotoscopers Awards. Remember when Frozen won everything last year? I know, year? but the thing is, like, we were so polarized on Frozen last year. So, yeah. but like this year, I, I really believe that this year is going to have a lot more variety because there were so many good movies that came out this year. I mean, How to Train Your Dragon 2 stole my heart in so many ways. And then you have Book of Life had so many great things about it. Obviously, Lego movie, come on. I mean, these are there's just so many. So I want you guys to really think about it. Go through. We're actually having a couple um, articles on the website that are kind of going over those. And through those articles, we're going to be kind of compiling lists and creating another, just like last year, how we did votes. And we're going to end up voting on 
what you guys thought was your best score, best um, sidekick, best main protagonist, base, basically best anime, lots of stuff. So stay tuned to the website for that, and it will be in the show notes. Yes. So until next time, we, we are, are the Rose Scoopers. That is what it's Cannot called wait. in Japan, though. Big Hero 6. <laughs> Talk about racist. <laughs> no. You just do your best to... Imp- there is nothing wrong with impersonations. You know what? I don't get why... Um, it, it's it's a, it's an, an homage to Japanese culture. I don't get why um, it's racist to call him wasabi no ginger, but it's not racist to just call him wasabi. That's like, hey, this is my Mexican friend, Tabasco. You know? <laughs> it's like, hi, this is, hi, I'm from Germany. My name is Frankfurt. Nice to meet you. Frankfurt Mustard Schweiden. Heigen Flargen Jargen. Now, now he's just a Viking. They're cooler in San Francisco with stuff like that. I guess They're so. not so PC, which is the way we should be. Good. Mm-hmm. PC is lame Yeah. <laughs> Um, I basically, Jimmy, no, hold on two seconds. (laughs) No, go out. (laughs) Way to ruin the podcast, Jimmy. Yeah, seriously. He's trying to, Jimmy, no! He's trying to steal a pillow, like it's twice the size as him, and he's pulling it. You've got a little bandit. Yeah, oh, he loves to steal socks and clothes. I saw that video, I saw that Instagram video of him running around the backyard with, like, a plastic bag. And was, like, so (laughs) proud of himself. Yeah, so imagine that, but two days ago, him with basketball shorts, running in circles (laughs) with basketball shorts. The items are getting bigger. (laughs) My favorite is when um, it gets stuck in the doggy door. And it's stuck in the doggy door, and then he can't come back through the doggy door because he's like, ah, it's blocked. I don't know what to do. It's it's funny. Anyways, uh, let me go back to what I was talking about. Blooper. All right. Are you guys on, guys on mute or something? Sorry, I had to fix something really quick, and so I was on mute. No problem. Um, Jimmy! <laughs> yeah, naughty. Welcome back. Welcome back. Reminds me of Pokemon Fool- Snap. Foolish motive. Pokemon Snap. Oh, it's a good one. Wasn't that the coolest? I love that game. Ah, oh, the Mew level at the very end. Oh, impossible. So good. You have to be a true Pokemon photography master. <laughs> what a bizarre game. Thinking of it. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like the predecessor to Fatal Frame. I don't know if you ever played that game. Mm-mm. It's like where you take pictures of ghosts to get rid of them. Nice. But in that one, it's like, hey. I'm going to throw an apple at this Charmeleon. It's going to fall in a pit of lava and come out as Charizard. It's going to breathe fire at me, but nothing's going to happen to me. I'm just going to take pictures of it. (laughs) Yeah. What a bizarre... I mean, really, that's how it evolves, huh? It wasn't like that in the game. That's for sure. Abuse your Pokemon to evolve it. Anyway. Or long live Hyperion. (laughs) All hail Hyperion. (laughs) 